Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Access Podcast. I'm Maddie Stout. This is your podcast about podcasts, and today it is especially your podcast about podcasts because we're going to kind of geek out and talk about branded content podcasting. If you don't know what that is, or if you're in general interested in the podcast business, this is definitely the one for you. We've got the one and only, and I love him so much, he is everything that's good about Canada, Steve Pratt on the show. He is a principal at Pacific Content, the first branded content podcast company in the world. And he's also the host of a few podcasts, including one I really loved called Slack Variety Pack. Check it out. When she was researching the subject of happiness, she noticed a common pattern with the people she was talking to. The people who were facing a happiness challenge most often pointed to a habit as the obstacle. He's not only the principal and co-founder of Pacific Content, I'd like to, to think of him as a friend and, and I'm going to be honest, a mentor, Steve Pratt. Hi, Steve. Hello, Maddie. How you doing? I'm doing great. Pacific Content is not a company that most people will know about because what you do is something that is new for a lot of folks, branded content podcasting. You've done a lot of them. I just think to start off, maybe we should just tell people what what exactly is a branded content podcast, and are we still calling them that, or is there a new name? Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. We started um, calling them branded podcasts um, up until 2017, and then we we've actually changed the language to say that we make original podcasts with brands. And it sounds like a very small difference, but it's a fairly big one uh, for a couple of reasons. The core of the business is trying to make fantastic shows that are funded by brands. And, you know, I think initially when you say branded content, there's probably a connotation around, ah, they're trying to sell me something or this is going to be heavy handed marketing. And the reason we changed the language to original podcast with brands is that's not what we're making. We are making uh, shows that are designed to be every bit as compelling as any of your other favorite shows. That's kind of the only way that they'll build an audience is if it's a great show. And it's more around the idea that some of the most interesting media companies in the future are going to be non-traditional places like brands. And some of your favorite shows in the future are going to come from brands that are going to be smart and start acting and thinking more like media companies. Um, so our job as a company is to work with brands and help them figure out how to map their brand and their strategy into a show that people genuinely love and, and it is an original show, not a piece of marketing. Let's talk about a couple of the shows so everybody understands what exactly we're talking about. Let's start with the first one that that I was aware of. And one of the things that drew me to talk to you the first time was uh, Slack Variety Pack. Now, tell people about that show and and how it came about. Yeah, so we're all a bunch of ex-traditional media people, mostly from the Canadian public radio system, like the Canadian equivalent of, of NPR. And... We noticed a couple interesting trends going on. One that um, a lot of traditional media companies were missing their ad revenue targets every year because people were using, you know, PVRs or DVRs to skip ads. Advertising was moving into digital spaces where people couldn't skip things as much. Um, we were seeing the rise of companies like Red Bull who were making really compelling original programming in the video space. It was not about their product or services, but it was more about how it made you feel. And then we also saw the rise of, of uh, Serial come out of nowhere in the podcasting space. That was, you know, I think we saw the first 10 years of podcasting um, as almost like a, the democratization of the, the publishing tools and the distribution where anybody could make a podcast 
for next to nothing. There were no gatekeepers anymore. And I think the result was there's a lot of amazing shows and tons of people made shows that never would have made shows, but the bulk of them were going to be unedited interview shows. And Serial kind of changed the game when that came out with this amazing, highly produced narrative series that grabbed everybody's attention. And I think all of those factors kind of led to people thinking, you know what, podcasts are have an enormous amount of potential to become Netflix for radio, where people are going to choose amazing, high-quality stuff on demand, on their own schedule, and program their commutes and their workout and their dog walks and whatever else they're doing. Um, so we we kind of recognized that there is nobody doing that in the audio space, and we literally just pitched Slack. We 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 kind of finagled a meeting with a CMO, a guy named Bill Masitis. Uh, when he was in Vancouver for a meeting and it was the first person we'd pitched it to. And he said, yes, and it was, we were just like, Oh, yeah, holy moly. I can't believe this. Uh, now we have to figure out how to make this, <laughs> this show for Slack. Um, and you know, we kind of, we kind of worked fairly collaboratively with them, but a lot of it was kind of inventing it as, as we went and trying to balance this idea of like, we need to figure out what Slack's voice is in audio. We need to figure out how to represent what they stand for in audio. And we also need to make a show that is really fun to listen to. And I think it was one of the first examples of, of a brand going out, doing a high quality storytelling show that had interesting guests and stories in it. Um, and they got a lot of traction from it. So from us, we were, we were very fortunate to kind of connect with a really progressive, smart company that wanted to take a risk and do something like this. And because they did it, it made it easier for us to get a lot of other clients and to be able to, you know, use Slack Variety Pack as a showcase for what's possible for, for brands and what the value is of building a fairly large audience fairly quickly. So Slack Variety Pack, the beginning. Now you guys have moved on to how many shows now is specific content producing for, for brands? Uh, it's kind of, it fluctuates. Um, I think right now we're about seven or eight shows in production right now. Um, but you know, we have shows that are kind of in between seasons and onboarding new clients and things. So it, it does change, but, uh, it's really interesting. Like every, every year in the fall, it seems like there's a, a new evolution of like the next level of brands coming into the space and wanting to make podcasts and it's getting easier and easier to be able to talk about making amazing shows with all the clients too. Like I think in the first year we were just wanting anybody to say yes so we could prove the model and make podcasts and make this a thing. And then last year around this time we were, you know, having an influx of like some pretty big brands like Prudential came in. Um, we started mostly with tech companies out of Silicon Valley. And then, you, you know, when you get somebody like Prudential coming in, like a big insurance company, uh, it's like next level piece. And I think last year the focus was on kind of growing better quality shows and thinking about different formats of storytelling. And then in 2017, for us, it's really been around uh, figuring out the audience development piece with brands at a new level where you know, it's, it's kind of interesting when you think about it, but brands have kind of a huge unfair advantage to be able to build audiences really quickly because they have all these built-in strengths that they probably have not ever used to build an audience with a show before. Um, so we're do, like, for example, we're doing a show with 
Mozilla. And when there's a new podcast episode, you can open a new tab in Firefox and underneath the search bar is a promo for the podcast. That's uh, awesome. And it's driving tons and tons of listeners coming in. And, you know, it wouldn't work if it was a, if it was a bad show, but it's a great show. And they've got a tool that they own that's going to let tons and tons of people know about it. Um, so 2017 has really been a year for us around, like, keep making the shows better, but, like, really think about how to go from zero to a big audience really quickly with uh, kind of like the secret superpowers of every company we work with. I want to switch gears and talk about about you, Steve, my friend. This is oh, a good this chance. is where this is where it's going to get boring. Well, no, this is where I get to. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've I, I want to. I'll just uh, I want to tell everybody how I met you. I was writing a paper for my graduate school class, and I was you know I teach a branded content class at the university that I, I, I work at, and I've been in podcasting for ten years. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if anybody's doing branded content podcasting. And I, you know, just did Google searches and there was one name and one name only that popped up several times and it was Steve Pratt. And I sent Steve an email and immediately we met like a week later. Uh, and and, uh, and it's I'm so glad I sent that email to start with. So this is a good chance. I want to you know, I don't think I've ever gotten it really into to your story about about your radio story. Um, you know, we all have that story of how we ended up in this uh, this messed up business. When did you start thinking about radio as a career? And, you know, were we always into it? Well, it's kind of interesting. Like I um, I actually started my career in television. Um, no, I, no, no I, this is, but I ended up in radio. <laughs> okay. I, I, I landed in radio after television. So it's, I, uh, yeah, I was oddly like at, in university, I was kind of on track to go to law school and I'd been doing a bunch of comedy and improv and stuff like that, uh, when I was in university and was, was loving it. And then I kind of had this, uh, you know, crisis of saying like, I don't think I really want to be a lawyer. Um, I want to do something fun. And I got a summer job at a TV station in Toronto and I was just totally hooked at being able to go out and tell stories and, you know, do something that actually got a reaction from audiences or be able to kind of put a spin on a story that made it fun and interesting and exciting to listen to or watch. Um, and I, I spent about 10 years doing all sorts of different television from entertainment journalism to comedy programming to kids programming. I worked at a music network called Much Music that was kind of like the equivalent of MTV in Canada. I used um, to watch Much Music, by the way. Well, there you go. Yeah, so, we had it on in uh, we had it on in the United States. It'd, it'd come on like weekends and stuff. They'd have some shows on. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I was really like I got to work in a ton of interesting places with a, a ton of different programming formats and different audiences. And everyone was kind of like a, a new creative challenge to figure out what is it, what's the, you know, the way to reach this audience and do something that's creative and fun for them that's different than the last one I did. Um, and I, then after that, I got a job at AOL. Um, I was really interested in, this is around, you know, where, when the internet was blowing up and they were doing some really interesting stuff with online only content. And I'd done a bunch of you know, digital stuff in the TV side, but it was really more of a secondary piece to TV where the company's primary business was television. And I wanted to go to a place where their only business was the internet and where they were doing all sorts of really progressive, interesting stuff to figure out audiences on the internet. And I learned so much there, um, just around 
what works and measuring different ideas and A-B testing headlines and photos and all sorts of different things. Um, and oddly enough, one of my old colleagues at Much Music was at the Canadian Public Broadcaster and said to me, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I recommended you for this job running this weird new music service at the public broadcaster because it's a mix of traditional media and digital. Um, and because I'd done all the television in different formats and worked at a music service. And then because I'd also worked at AOL, I landed in this insanely cool gig, uh, at a place called CBC radio three. And it was an online only music service that was launching a satellite radio station on Sirius XM. And it was only for new and independent Canadian artists. So if you're an established artist, you couldn't get played. If you weren't Canadian, you couldn't get played. Um, and it was the most niche thing you could ever imagine. And in a way, it was almost like a media lab where we got to try out all sorts of cool ideas around building communities and, you know, trying different strategies for artist discovery. And very soon after I started is when podcasting started. Uh, you know, the Adam Curry show was starting in, I, I first heard it in late 2004 and I started in fall of 2004 and we realized that all these indie artists that we were playing owned all their own rights and that we could, we should try podcasting. Um, it would be an amazing way to get music out to new people who are looking for podcasts and nobody else had the rights to put music out there. Uh, so we launched one of the world's first music podcasts that was actually legal. And when they launched podcasting inside of iTunes in, I don't know, like May or June of 2005, they featured this CBC Radio 3 podcast worldwide and it just blew up. Um, and it helps obviously that there's like ridiculously good independent Canadian music coming out of that time. This is like in the early days of Arcade Fire and Tegan and Sarah and the new pornographers and Feist and broken social scene and all this stuff. But, um, anyways, long story short, that was a really long story, but, uh, I've been in <laughs> podcasting for a, for a long time as a result of all those weird factors kind of coming together. And, you know, it was podcasting had a little bit of a dip in, you know, after its initial few years of catching on fire, I think Facebook and YouTube and Twitter kind of took some of the, the fire and attention away from podcasting. And it's kind of crazy that it's back and growing and bigger than ever. And, it's the most creative work I've ever done right now, working with a really wide variety of interesting clients and just an amazing group of storytellers here. We're um, like really genuinely having an awesome time making really fun shows. What is the deal with Canadian radio? Tell me the rules. I, I, somebody, I was, I, I was in Canada for a semester once um, in, in, in college and you have to play a certain amount of, of Canadian music. What is that? Yeah. So um, and this is this is so uh, hard to try and describe to an American, an American audience, but uh, there is a big part of Canadian culture that is um, dominated by American culture. Where you know we're right, you know we're uh, right next to you, <laughs> and almost all the Canadian cities are right close to the American border. Because uh, you know you go further north than that, it's too cold to exist. Yeah. Um, so. We get all, all American TV stations. We get loads of American radio. And as a result, it's really hard for Canadian artists to stand out. And the government in Canada on the for Canadian broadcasters has uh, a series of regulations called CanCon rules, which is Canadian content. Um, 
And if you're a radio station or if you're a TV station, you have to create a certain amount of Canadian content if you're like a, making shows. And if you're a radio station playing music, you have to play a certain percentage of Canadian music. And there's different tiers of Canadian music. Like you can only play this much hit Canadian music that you actually have to play some emerging Canadian music. And it's designed to help build a star system and help expose Canadian artists to Canadians uh, as well as, uh, you know, obviously around the world. But it's really focused on uh, career de development for Canadians. I so just, it's a very, very unusual. It doesn't exist in, in America. Obviously. I love it. I, I think it's great. And it's just one of those one of those things that I, I always thought was was really cool. Uh, and I think and I, I had no idea about your, your first podcast and, and, and doing Canadian music like that is, you know, those early days of podcasting. I, I, I sometimes forget that I've been in the business for, for 10 years because it really did feel at the beginning like we were going to like take over the world. And it was like, oh, maybe not. And then Serial came out. I was like, hey, we're going to take over the world. And then, oh, OK, maybe not. And then I, but I feel like the last year and a half, two years, there's been just just great progress. What do you what do you see the future of podcasting uh, going? You know, it, it, it's funny because it is it has been now like 13 years or something like that since since they first came out. So when I say it feels like a very young industry or it's in an inf in, in its infancy, um, like it, it's weird to say that. But I'm going to say that I think we're still in the very early stages of what podcasting can and will become. Um, I think on the technology side, there's still a whole bunch of people who have not figured out how to get a podcast and haven't figured out how to connect their car to their phone and program their own commute. Um, I think that's going to get better and the more and more, you know, maybe even connected cars will be just downloading podcasts into your car. Uh, the easier that that, that process gets for people, the more people are going to start listening to podcasts. And I think even creatively, we're still in the very early days of what a podcast can even be that I know on just literally on our team, there's probably still, you know, dozens of show formats or types of storytelling that we haven't been able to do yet and that we haven't necessarily heard in podcasts yet that are waiting to be done. Um, like it, it's funny, like the, uh, we're doing a show with McAfee about cybersecurity, uh, called hackable. And the guy who's the host and the producer of the show, Jeff Siskin, uh, has a strong radio background, but he also did a bunch of television programming and the idea that they came up with for the show was to take kind of like the idea of a Mythbusters like format and apply it to cybersecurity in podcasting. So that, you know, every episode is kind of like a, uh, a scene from a movie or TV show where you see a hacker doing something and boom, they've hacked it in like five seconds. And they wanted to test to see, is that actually possible? And how worried should you be <laughs> about wow. somebody hacking you? And so they actually get hackers to do it every episode. And usually it's Jeff getting hacked. Jeff has, is he's had so much of his life hacked on this show. Um, but the, but the idea of saying like, we're not just going to have cybersecurity experts on and interview them and get tips that we're going to build a format around, you know, taking this scene that people are probably familiar with and then having real hackers do it. And you're kind of following along to see if he's going to get hacked and what you should be able to do to not get hacked is infinitely more compelling than the expert interview sort of thing. So um, I think I think there's tons and tons of ideas that are going to be brought into podcasting as it keeps evolving. And um, 
honestly, like even just even just iHeart, you know, the company that you work for, putting more and more into podcasting this year, and you got podcasting as a bigger part of your mobile app. I bet there's tons of people who listen to radio in the mobile app that are going to have their first podcasting experience this year. So, um, you know, I'm obviously biased, but I'm pretty bullish on where podcasting is going. It's funny. Yesterday, I was listening to Dirty John on iHeart, and I looked at the comments, and there were three people who had commented, this was my first podcast. And I do feel that with iHeart, we are... Really, you know, we're really bringing podcasting to the radio audience uh, for the first time, and 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 it's new for everybody here. It's new for you know uh, for the you know most of my talent that are doing podcasting. They, they've never done one before, and uh, and and it's in the amount of ideas. And I agree with you. I think there are so many formats yet to be uh, tapped into into podcasting. It's really it's it's exciting and overwhelming sometimes at the same time. Well, it's interesting, like the Dirty John one you you brought up. Um... Like I, I was listening to your one with uh, Max from Parcast, uh, you know, another true crime company. And Dirty John is a true crime thing. There's lots of true crime in podcasting. So why did Dirty John break out and become this massive hit? It's really interesting. Like just the same as iHeart. It's I personally think they've just done a massive smart marketing campaign where the L.A. Times is is a huge part of bringing people who m- may read the LA Times and go to the website but have never listened to a podcast before and all of the dirty john story is in the LA Times and there's big full page ads and things where they're bringing podcasts to a whole new audience i think i mean and it's not that it's not a, a good show it's just that i haven't seen like a huge smart marketing campaign that's more like a hollywood or a tv network campaign for a podcast before like this and um the guy who runs the Wondery Podcast Network, uh, Hernan Lopez, is an ex-TV executive. Uh, just, you know, huge kudos for, like, treating podcasts like a major medium and getting people excited about a new show. Yeah, I, I agree with you, too, because I, I liked it. You know, I listened to it. It was a lot of hype, and I'm like, oh, it's, it was good. But yeah, I, I interviewed Phoebe Judge. Uh, she was on la- uh, a week or two ago, and... Same thing, like, if you like that, go listen to Criminal. Like, they do this every week, and they, they yeah. do all kinds of stuff on Criminal. So uh, I think it will open it up to a lot more people. Yeah, no, it's exciting. It's funny, yesterday I was listening to Dirty John on iHeart, and I looked at the comments, and there were three people who had commented, this was my first podcast. And I do feel that with iHeart, we are really you know, we're really bringing podcasting to the radio audience uh, for the first time and 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 it's new for everybody here it's new for you know uh, for the you know most of my talent that are doing podcasting they, they've never done one before and uh, and and it's in the amount of ideas and I agree with you I think there are so many formats yet to be uh, tapped into into podcasting it's really it's it's exciting and overwhelming sometimes at the same time well it's interesting like the dirty John one you you brought up um like I, I was listening to your one with uh, Max from Parcast, uh, you know, another true crime company. And Dirty John is a true crime thing. There's lots of true crime in podcasting. So why did Dirty John break out and become this massive hit? It's really interesting. Like just the same as iHeart. It's I personally think they've just done a massive smart marketing campaign where the L.A. Times is is a huge part of bringing people who m- may read the LA Times and go to the website but have never listened to a podcast before and all of the dirty john story is in the LA Times 
and there's big full page ads and things where they're bringing podcasts to a whole new audience. I think, I mean, and it's not that it's not a, a good show. It's just that I haven't seen like a huge smart marketing campaign that's more like a Hollywood or a TV network campaign for a podcast before like this. And um, the guy who runs the Wondery Podcast Network, uh, Hernan Lopez, is an ex TV executive. Uh, just, you know, huge kudos for <laughs> like treating podcasts like a major medium and getting people excited about a new show. Yeah, I, I agree with you too, because I, I liked it. You know, I listened to it. It was a lot of hype, and I'm like, oh, it's it was good. But yeah, I, I interviewed Phoebe Judge. Uh, she was on la uh, a week or two ago, and same thing. Like, if you like that, go listen to Criminal. Like, they do this every week, and they they yeah. do all kinds of stuff on Criminal. So uh, I think it will open it up to a lot more people. Yeah, no, it's exciting. All right, Steve, we're going to end up with. Uh, I I like to still do my cheesy radio segments, and this one's called Three Kill Killer Questions. I'm going to ask you three questions. and uh, This is not related to true crime, though? The, the killer questions. Actually, you know what? I will. I have one question that I switch up once in a while. I, I ask people what kind of sandwich would they be, and I believe I've, I I interviewed you some other time and asked you that. So I'm going to ask you I'm this. going to tell you. I, I don't know, but I, I have to tell you because I, I'm obsessed with Schwartz's smoked meat sandwiches in Montreal. It's the greatest sandwich on earth. You, If you go to – if you ever go to Montreal – smoked meat, Schwartz's, and ask for extra fatty. Just just don't worry about the health thing. Go for extra fatty. It's the greatest sandwich you'll ever have in your life. Oh That's what I would be. I'm so That's what hungry. I would be. I'm so yeah. hungry. Yeah. Well, what kind yeah, of, I'm drooling. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, if you were you were going to be a criminal, what kind of criminal would, would, you, would you be? Oh, no. I don't even. You know what? I have kids. I can't even. Uh, wow, um, it must be bad. If you started know, you off with no, I no, I have kids. Criminal. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. I, you know what? I'm like, I. What could I possibly say that is not going to make me sound creepy if I tell you what a criminal I want to be? I, uh... What What was the first piece of technology that uh, you used and said this is going to change my life? Okay, this dates me, um, but it was probably an Atari. Um, like game console when I was a kid. Um, I, I remember getting that for Christmas with my brother and it was things like Pac-Man and Space Invaders. And it, it was just like, holy moly, this has changed. This has changed everything <laughs> about what we're going to do with our spare time yeah. from now on. And um, it's funny, like I, you know, I, I, like I said, I have kids, they are, they have, you know, phones or screens or whatever. It's bizarre to think of how much things have changed and how far they have come since I was a kid in that situation. But um, yeah, it, it was it's quite funny too because we did we do this show with uh, with Dell called Trailblazers with Walter Isaacson, and one of the episodes we did a while ago was about the history of innovation in the video game industry, and we got to talk to Nolan Bushnell, who's the guy who invented. Pong and Atari and all that sort of stuff. And like just a crazy genius, smart guy. But it totally brought me back to my childhood and reminded me of like, yeah, that was that was really revolutionary stuff that, you know, you it just weird to think that had never existed before. You kind of went from, you know, watching Magnum PI after school or, or yeah. MASH or something like that to being able to go do, you know, Pac-Man and Space Invaders was, uh, was pretty cool. Or actually being outside. 
Like, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And my nephews forget nature and sports and healthy things. We're just going to sit in front of a screen. Yeah. Um, my nephews are like those, uh, those salamanders that, uh, never leave caves. They, they burn up in the sun. Last question. Super easy. What was the last podcast you binged? Uh, it was dirty John. Yeah. Uh, we, it's funny. So we have, we have a podcasting club, um, at our company where every week we pick a different podcast and then, you know, kind of unlike a more, more traditional podcast or book club where you kind of talk, you know, talk about what you got out of it or whatever. We're, because we're a podcasting company, we dissect them more around like from an industry craft point of view around like what worked, why did they make these choices? What would we have done differently? What do you think they were trying to do with this? Um, so we all, our whole company binge listened to Dirty John this week. Um, and we just had a big, massive session, uh, like kind of discussion session about it yesterday, which was, uh, which is interesting. Ah, that's same with me. I just, I binged it yesterday. <laughs> I was sitting at work. <laughs> I was like, hey, let's just binge this one. All right, Steve Pratt, thanks for coming on uh, and uh, good luck. And listen to uh, all the shows. So go to pacific-content.com uh, to check out all the shows. Thanks, Steve. Hey, thanks, Matt. This is really fun, and uh, congrats on the new podcast. I love it. So now's the time of the show where my lovely, talented producer and legal midget, Z, walks into the studio. I look for her because she's so small. Where, where are you, Z? And then we, we talk about some podcasts that you should be listening to. Z, was that last segment just too geeky for people? I mean, No. I honestly was about to tell you that that was one of my favorite episodes because you guys just knew so much. And I feel like for any this episode, for anybody that's trying to get into podcasting, this is what they should really listen to because the inside information, it was it was dope. I, it was dope. I can't wait. There to, you go. I can't wait to tell Steve Pratt that he'll be like, <laughs> "Dope, eh?" <laughs> yeah. he, he's so Canadian, isn't he? Is he? So, yeah. And every he's, time he says "about," it was "about." About. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I know. The first time I talked to, I talked. The first time I listened to him on Slackcast, I, I, um, you know, I'd already met him, and I. I called him. I'm like, he was like, "What do you think?" I'm like, "It's good, but you're you're just so can, so Canadian." It's it's. And you could so... also like hear the politeness in his voice. He was just so nice, like yeah. all Canadians are. They are. I, I I love Canadians. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and I love Steve Pratt. If you couldn't tell, I, I'm I'm such a fan of that guy. He's great. So anyway, we were talking a lot about branded content podcasting, and if you listened by now, hopefully you figured out what they are. But there are a lot of. I mean. The thing is, the point of them is to are to be good podcasts. So um, there's a lot of good ones out there, and uh, you've checked out a few. I'm glad. I'm anxious to hear which ones that uh, you like. So the first one I picked was from Pacific Content, and I'm really into tech and like where tech is going. And it's called Trailblazers with Walter Isaacson, and they describe it as digital disruption and how innovators are using tech to enable human progress. And I thought that was super interesting because. Nowadays, people really talk about tech on how it's the opposite of how it's not good for us and how it's ruining our communication. But this whole podcast is how it's advancing us in the good ways. And it's really interesting. And Walter Isaacson is brilliant. He was the form I read former CNN chairman and CEO. Oh yeah, Walt, Walter. I mean, he's he's a huge name. And, and when he came into the podcasting world, it was it's a it's a big deal. And I tell people all the time that say that to me, you know, because I work at a university, I work with a lot of young folks, and, I'm, and I always say, how many people did you talk to in the course of a day when you were 19? And, and the answer is probably less than 10, right. where someone your age talks to 
between 10 and 20 people every day. You just don't talk to them in the same way that we used to. Exactly. It's not like we're bad communicators. We just communicate in different ways. Yeah. Well, let's check out this cool podcast. You may not have heard of Leon de la Grange, but everybody who's ever flown as a passenger in an airplane shares a special bond with him. Somewhere in France, on a blustery day in March 1908, Delagrange wedged himself in beside the pilot in a Voisson biplane, and a few minutes later became the first ever airplane passenger. He's so smart. It's like my grandfather is teaching me something. Gosh. Not to say that he was old. Well, he is. Well... You know, he just sounds wise. I'm old. I'm old. He just sounds wise. Yeah. I like it. All right. What else you got? Next one from your favorite people, Gimlet. Yeah, I do like them. You do. Um, It's called Open for Business, and it's uh, branded content with eBay. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's about building a business from the ground up, and it ranges in episodes from hiring and firing to how to deal and survive failure, which I think is such an important thing for when you're trying to start your own business because failure comes with it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really great podcast for anybody that's wanting to start their own business and we're in the age of startups. So I think for anybody that's trying to do that, it's open for business. It's good. Andrea lives in a tiny German town called Relingen. Bo's business is based near Kansas City, Kansas. Andrea is in the yarn business. Bo runs a tech company. Here's what they have in common. They've both watched your businesses fail and They've survived to tell the stories. And you can tell it's a Gimlet podcast when you listen to it because of the, it's just the story town, it's the way they tell stories. Right. So that's, that's going to come with it. What else you got? So my last one is from Shopify. It's with the company Shopify, which is an e-commerce website where you can sell stuff online, on social media, or in person. And it's called TGIM which stands for Thank God It's Monday, which is not something you really hear that often, but it's really geared towards entrepreneurs who are excited to start the work week and are trying to build their businesses where they tell people like successful stories of really businesswomen and businessmen, and it's really to just inspire young entrepreneurs. It's another one from Pacific Content, too. There we go. All right. I really believe that IQ is really not as valuable as people think in today's entrepreneurial environment. I've really been spending a lot more time on emotional intelligence and the three EQ traits that I think every entrepreneur has to focus on are the following. And I've got one more just just for you. Uh, Check out, it's called Twice Around. Uh, It's produced actually by the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Oh. Yeah, they do a few podcasts. This one features uh, two of the ladies that work at the bank, and they talk about all kinds of issues and, and that, are, that, that affect everyday life. Really well produced. Good one. Go check that one out. You know, when we first decided, Mary, that we were going to record an episode around bravery, the very first things that pop into my head is somebody running into a burning building and saving a baby. Um, oh, yes, of course. Yeah, and very heroic and epic sort of behavior. And that's the thing that kind of comes up for me when I think about bravery. And then on the other side of the continuum where heroic is on one side comes the childhood braveries where we have to, if Jody and I... Access Podcast is produced by... Z! Zinyana down the manla. <laughs> Zinyana. Zinyana. <laughs> Zayanya Dialvis. 
Zayanya G. Elvis. I'll get it right. It's only been three years. Yeah. Engineer David Williamson, Horse Wong, artwork by Dalton Runberg, music composed by one Casey Franco, and special thanks, of course, to the god of podcasting, Chris Peterson. Don Parker uh, here in San Francisco and Katie Wilcox at iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, it's Access Podcast, or on Twitter, Access Podcast One. And you can also follow me at Maddie Stout, M A T T Y S T A U D T, on all platforms. Nobody else has that name. Ooh. And download the free iHeartRadio app if you don't have it, because we've got all kinds of podcasts and the numbers are growing and growing and growing, and we want you to listen to them. Share them with people and then tell your friends to listen as well. Thanks.